everyone. Welcome to Repertory Screenings episode 32. I feel 32. like that's an important number, but I don't know why. I'm your host, I'm with me as my regular host, Jackson. Hello. There's nothing important about 32. No, it's not 37. That's for damn sure. And with nope. me is other co-host, Destiny. What's so special about 37? 37? It's, it's the clerk's number. It's the clerk's number. Oh, we're, we're I thought it was the clerks because 30... we're really cool in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it, it's really funny. I thought it was 36. No, it's 36. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing, you see. <laughs> 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 There's a non-zero chance that for episode 37 we're just going to do clerks. I we've already talked about this. And wait, yes. we haven't talked about it with Destiny. No, it's on Boy Life, but <laughs> yes. I enjoy clerks. I would... I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember liking it quite a bit, so I'd Me be too. happy to revisit it. We Me should too. just do clerks. <laughs> I, I know explain... what we're doing in 5 episodes. <laughs> I had to explain Jay and Silent Bob to somebody who had never heard of them. Just send them the uh like opening minute of um that's what i should have done because it was hard to explain in a way that made it sound appealing smoking Look, weed smoking blunts it used to be that stoners didn't have tiktok they just had sitting somewhere <laughs> and getting high this is yep. true it's movie time jackson what movies have you fucking seen none um, okay destiny what movies oh, have you that's seen that's actually not true shit oh but, um, okay we're cycle back around jackson what movies have you seen <laughs> i can't admit this out loud to anyone though <laughs> but i will on a podcast uh uh delirious and sleep deprived and very depressed i ended up re-watching uh fucking avengers age of ultron <laughs> I don't know why. I was just mad about something, and I was curious, and I just watched. I just watched it, and I was, <laughs> I was still mad about it after I finished. It didn't, it didn't really like give me any <laughs> new insights. Please, I just please tell me about <laughs> Avengers: Age of Ultron. Uh, well, it's it's a bad movie. Still, um, Joss Whedon's a criminal. It shouldn't be allowed to write <laughs> movies ever again, which I don't think he will. He will be doing at this point. Uh, but then again, I also don't like the other Marvel movies are bad. I don't know. Um, everyone's everyone's character is wrong. Also, uh, uh, Thor's especially funny because they hadn't made Ragnarok yet, so no one knew what to do with him. Um, he's just not the character everyone likes. Uh, it is maybe the pinnacle of movies where a character, like out of all the superhero movies, I guess. Well, mm, maybe Spider Man's uh, also more this, but. Uh, uh, character is correct about everything and then just is killed and no one addresses his points because uh, fucking um, what's her name Scarlet Witch like starts that movie and she's trying to take revenge on the Avengers for being American imperialists who like killed her country and then is with them at the end but for no reason nothing changes for her <laughs> uh, anyway it's it's a depressing movie it's it's bad I just I just knew uh, what would you say Oh, I was going to say that might have been the last Avengers movie I saw. Freedom. <laughs> uh, I just knew it would lead to a reaction like the one I got from him. Yeah, um, Destiny, what'd you watch? Okay, so mine, uh, this is kind of embarrassing. You can't, I, you, no, it's not. I <laughs> uh, was on medical leave for a really long time, and Wednesday was my... <laughs> First day back. I just remember so, what this was. <laughs> um, I feel like it can't compete. Oh wait, no, on. no, no. Uh, wait, what did you say, M? I just remembered what this was. 
Oh, okay. So Tuesday, uh, the night before my last day off, I asked Jackson, like, what should I do with myself? And Jackson's like, watch a movie that you've been meaning to watch for a long time and been putting off. And so it came around, that day came around, the day before I was supposed to go back to work. And I was looking through all my different streaming channels, trying to find a movie. And I couldn't find anything. So on a whim, I watched the 2014 film Boyhood by Richard (laughs) Linklater. (laughs) No! No! Boyhood! This is incredible reveals on this episode of Rep3 Screening. (laughs) Fucking Boyhood. Uh, Yeah, I know you hate it. That's why I felt really bad that that was the movie that I picked because you were like watch a movie and i was like what a great idea and i'm like well this is two and a half hours and i have time to watch this so i ended up watching it uh there were things i liked about it and things i didn't like about it uh overall i feel like the whole movie didn't really need the boy (laughs) it'd be way better without the boy it'd be so much better without the boy (laughs) if this movie was about two parents trying to like raise two children while they're separated or excuse me like divorced and uh the struggles of a single mom it would have been a much better movie because patricia arquette just steals it every time she's on screen the the best scene in the whole movie is uh a very late one where she's like um reacting to him just going off to college and being yes. like, so this is it. So this is just, and it's like, and there's none of that emotional content for any of the boy stuff. Cause he just kind of like floats through everything and it's just has a great life for some reason. It's yeah. Like, get a story. He, the only hardships he has are, he has some abusive stepfathers, but like right. they don't really shape him. It, like it doesn't really come it's such up. such a cartoonish, like uh, vision of hardships in a teenage boy's life. Cause the way that like, it cuts together, right? It's like he'll goes, Oh, I feel like I have no identity as a teenage boy. And the next scene, six months later, he's like, I have decided photography is my identity. <laughs> it's like, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. And you're right. That scene where she's like, I wish there was more. Like, I found myself relating to that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I movie. wish there, were, there was more. I thought there'd be more too. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a mixed bag of a movie. The, uh, I appreciated that he used his own daughter to play the older sister. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Ethan Hawke is really good in this. But overall, it could have been... I don't know. There just should have been more happening. Like, if... I, oh, I did appreciate the lack of traditional coming-of-age storylines. Like, there was no virginity plot. There was no, like, big prom night thing. It just turns out there just weren't really any storylines. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're vignettes, you know, but well, it, it, it was just a little too uh, meandering for me on a lot of plot points. And the boy's life is, is not that interesting on its own. Mm-hmm. But that's really all I have to say about that. But I just, that, 
yeah, when I told M that was the movie I watched, and I kind of gave that little preamble about how, like, oh, it was Jackson's idea to watch a movie, and I picked <laughs> Jackson's, like, least favorite movie. Uh, <laughs> I hate that movie so much. I mean, I, pro- I wouldn't hate it so much now. I was very depressed in 2014 when I saw it. So this, like, weird preaching movie about all you have to do is live through life, and then you'll be happy as a teenage boy. And I'm like, fuck you, Linklater! <laughs> like, like, and, yeah. yeah, and then that's not what I took out of it at all. I kind of, I don't know, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Uh, does M have a surprise surprise reveal here? <laughs> knock knock. Yeah, I can't hear you at all, M. Oh yeah, my mic was muted. That would be why. That was <laughs> a good reason why. why. Uh, anyway, I watched Spiral. Um, no surprises here. Uh, that Just is a movie. A, 2019 Canadian horror film on Shutter um, that stars uh, Jeffrey Burke, uh Chapman and Ari Cohen. They are a, a gay couple in 1995 who moved to this uh, small town in Canada to get away from Chicago. Um, and uh, it turns out that the town might be weirdly creepy towards them. And they're not w- sure if it's for homophobia reasons or maybe there is a more sinister secret. And turns out it's a horror movie. There's a sinister secret. Um, uh, which this movie is like just like a small, like paranoia, ghosts, cults kind of thing. It's it's complicated. Uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was like a nice, uh, small little movie. Um, I liked it, too. Yeah, it has... Uh, like everyone in the selling it on shutter they're like it's like get out but you know gay and uh it's a, oh. the problem is everyone it's an easy way to sell you go to a thing and it's not what it seems um mm-hmm. and especially when it preys on like oh like societal fears the thing is every horror movie preys on societal fears we'll talk about this shortly <laughs> that's what that's what they're about <laughs> Yes, it's literally what the genre is. Um, and so it's very funny to see that become like the buzzword to sell any movie. Um, it does this no favors because this isn't going to get out, but it's, it was, it's a good time. I think the, uh, the main guy is like really genuinely very good in it. Uh, Ari Cohen. He's great. Cool. I got confused for a second because you said spiral and I thought you meant that Saw movie. No, no, that's not out yet. Uh, oh, sorry, Jeffrey Bone, Boer Chap- Boyer Chapman's main character. I didn't cl- click and see which guy was which. Apparently, he's a judge on Canada's Drag Race, which I like him regardless of that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep, fair enough. That's a pretty eventful uh, movie segment. Yeah, no, I, I was like, you can't tell Jackson about Boyhood until we record. <laughs> <laughs> I had that, oh, God, sprung that off. <laughs> uh, boyhood, simple times. Yeah. Uh, oh, th- thank God that they weren't making that now. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, let's get into our movie. Uh, we are starting Halloween early, uh, and we are covering the first horror movie of our horror slate, which is Poltergeist, the 1982 American supernatural horror film directed by Toby Hooper, produced by Steven Spielberg. We'll have to talk about that. Screenplay is by Spielberg and Michael Grace and Mark Victor. This stars uh, Craig T. Williams, uh, Joe Beth Williams, Beatrice Strait, uh, Zelda Rubenstein, the, char- the uh, you know, the important characters. Yep. Um, and is about a uh, mysterious haunting in this uh, new development in suburbia and uh, this family who are the Freelings, uh, their daughter is taken by this mysterious entity that she had seen before that lived in the TV and caused weird stuff to happen and they decide 
they're like they're like trying to figure out how to get her back um and hire ghost investigators who then get an actual ass medium to help them and they rescue their daughter from a nebulous otherworldly ghost things that have to do with the development uh of this new uh suburb because they moved the headstones but they didn't move the bodies when they relocated a cemetery and all the ghosts have been disinterred you didn't move the bodies i love when he yells that uh as he was saying that line, I was like, oh, right, I know this line. Very famous line. <laughs> and then I've been racking my brain since I watched it. Like, where the fuck did I find... I like, I know I've seen... I swear... I googled Simpsons, assuming it would just be a Simpsons bit, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> so I don't know what uh, like parody I saw, but I know I've seen that one. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's a 2006 original ass or Family Guy episode that recreates that scenes one. from this movie. Okay. I haven't seen the Family Guy. Okay. But yeah. Anyway, uh, this movie is a childhood staple of mine and Destiny's. So it was uh, fun. Re- I hadn't seen this movie literally since I was a teenager, probably. Um, so it was fun to revisit it. I didn't remember the first 20 minutes at all because uh, I always caught this on cable. So I always caught it <laughs> in the middle of the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Destiny had seen it more frequently, but this was Jackson's first time. So I'm going to let you take the floor. Yeah. Uh, I'm a famous horror baby. Um, and so this was kind of a hard watch for me. Uh, I found it very, very, very scary. And in a way that was like, uh, so how do I get this? The things that happen in this movie are not scary. They are kind of ridiculous, but the lead up to those things happening is very scary because Toby Hooper is clearly a very, very good horror movie director. Uh, and so there's so many scenes of just, you know, the television blinking, uh, waiting for something to happen, the constant back and forth with the fucking clown as you're waiting for that to pay off for, like, two hours, and every time it's torture. Uh, So just, like, the level of, like, tension in this movie was a lot for me. I was very stressed. I did not really enjoy, uh, in, like, an emotional, not, like, a quality movie since I just, I don't enjoy being scared. Um, uh, like, the first 45 minutes of this movie, uh, when things start happening, like once the like scare happens and like nonsense starts happening, then I can relax a bit <laughs> and just enjoy the bullshit. Um, which is basically the rhythm of the movie for me. Uh, I ended up mostly really liking it. I was um, kind of surprised by how uh, bare bones the character work was. I feel like this movie... My read on this movie is... I'm not confident in it purely because of my um like lack of horror movie familiarity, but we'll get into that later. Uh, initially, I was thought the family stuff was a bit weak, but then I came around on like what the movie was doing towards the end. I feel it's kind of not actually about that stuff, but. Um, okay, so the thing I wanted to, uh, the thing that's worth addressing before we get into it is there was a lot of accusations around the time, even that, that Spielberg basically ghost directed this film. Um, <laughs> The reports of that are like all over the place and like of the era. And it was like, yeah, no, Tubba Hooper just kind of took direction from him the entire time and made the movie. I feel like if you've ever seen a Steven Spielberg movie, you would not say that. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, you see, it's got a bunch of like long one take things in uh, suburban settings and it's about a family. So it must be Spielberg. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is, I feel like. <laughs> You look at Toby Hooper's work and you're like, no, no, he made this movie. It's very clear to me because Spielberg would not have made some of the choices that this movie makes. Not a bad way. It just, this doesn't feel like Spielberg to me. It is interesting the way this intersects with like Toby Hooper's more naturalistic horror and Spielberg. Like this is supposed to be the third of a rough trilogy of E.T. and 
Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Um, that's where <laughs> the original idea came from. And I feel like you can see that in this movie. Yeah, you can. But also... <laughs> um, which, uh, you know, uh, he ended up not directing this because he was working on E.T. And, uh, you know, it was like, I'm, I'm going to make that and someone else can make this thing. It's fine. Um, this is bad but to me, the thing that this movie is defined by, unlike a lot of horror movies, is the like long time spent just hanging out with this family and like letting them exist in the space and kind of get to know them. Uh, specifically, the parents uh, who are very, very, very 1982 clearly defined as used to be hippies and now they're terrible yuppies who just yes. fucking suck. They're just awful. They're the- smoking pot when the kids are still awake. Yes. And- <laughs> The open the, the the early shot with him reading that fucking Reagan book. Yes, they're they're sitting there smoking pot, talking about like this time that uh, what uh, Diane got like totally like wrecked and ended up in this guy's uh truck because she was like so uh you know stoned or drunk and that guy got accused of like you know assaulting her or whatever and she just laughs about it while he's reading this Reagan book. Like this is the heart of eighties America. It sucks. <laughs> yes, no, it sucks so much. Um, but like, he's he's like this very soulless guy selling these houses to these people. Like, he's literally selling them the same house he lives in with like lies about how customized they can all make it and everything. Uh, like, there's a great shot where it goes from their kitchen uh, to the kitchen he's selling, and it's literally the it's like a jump cut, and all the chairs are gone. And you're like, oh, did they remove all the furniture? No, this is an exact same house. This is just the same thing. Um, and he's pitching these people this like dream of home ownership that is clearly just like the shoddiest thing in the world that they're also in, but he's bought into it now. Uh, cause he's 32 and has three kids. Cause that's what happens in the eighties. <laughs> I was like, these parents are way too young. What is going on here? Uh, and I- then, well, yeah. And then you get to Diane and she's like clearly just kind of a bored, busy, like harried mom. Um, when they, when they talk to the ghost hunters or whatever, they say their youngest is a 16 and she's 32, which means they had kids at the age their daughter is now um which i think explains a lot about who these characters are and why they're the way they are yes because uh, they're extremely like you know we were around. wild but it was the it was the 60s and we could get away with it but it's the 80s now and we're very respectable we're 32 my husband's balding and i'm a stay-at-home mom and that's what we do with our lives but the minute a ghost happens she's psyched she's like cheering in the living room like doing experiments with the kids <laughs> She's ready. Um, meanwhile, he is like trying to deal with his world being changed. Um, and I think the way in which that is like specifically about the like malaise of, you know, yuppie suburban life is really good and on point. Mm-hmm. I think the actors really sell this movie too. Like the heart of it is a lot of the performances. Cause yeah, there isn't a lot there character wise, but I just feel like they do a really good job. I mean, Craig T. Nelson's so good in this, they asked him to do it again in The Incredibles twice, 30 years later. (laughs) (laughs) He did, yep, he does just do this again. Yes. But, like, worse each time. (laughs) Yeah, way worse. Um, but because of that, you get like this really great family unit, uh, where I feel like most of the acting's pretty good. Like, the, the little kids are really good. Um, you know, famously, Carol Ann's like the breakout star, but also because that's a there's a tragedy where she died after the before the third movie came out, right? Yes, Heather O'Rourke. Yeah, she had a um, bowel obstruction that exploded, so yeah. she died when she was eleven. Um, and and you get Zelda Rubenstein who steals this movie in the back half as uh, yep. Tangina Barons. This um, house also- is clean. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, and you get uh, Beatrice Strait, who's uh, Dr. Lesh, who is the, like, she's like a psychiatrist who's seemingly, like, kind of fallen into like self-loathing by being a paranormal researcher in her middle age uh she's like an older woman and is immediately like very struck by the idea of like no this house has real ghosts i've been doing bullshit my entire life and now something crazy has happened um which all all this which to say um the older daughter in this movie is the most hilariously badly acted character in one of these i've ever seen oh i like her i like dominique dunn in this i uh I don't know why. She's just a sass monster. Uh, no, I think I think she's genuinely pretty bad in this. I mean, you know, hard to, uh, bad things happen to her as like in the year this movie came out. So, you know, I'm not going to be too hard on her. But um, it's very funny that uh, we were watching this. And I was like, the, the dog is a better actress than she is. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out to the dog. Uh, dog's name is Rip from the credits. <laughs> that dog is incredible. It's the dog best does dog some acting. cool stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so much of this is like the character stuff around the events that happen because it is a slow build. And then a lot of the movie is like the fallout after the stuff that would be the end of a horror movie happens. And they just have to live with the fact their daughter has been taken by an entity. And like, we're just living here. We got used to the ghosts. <laughs> yeah, the the bit where they call uh, like, like hard cuts from them realizing she's inside the TV mm-hmm. uh, to... Um, them going to get these people from uh basically the fucking like ghostbusters before they become the ghostbusters they just go to a university yes and find the paranormal department and like come come help us out uh, uh the the like thing that both these movies pull from of like going to a university as like a public resource to find an expert is very like foreign the 40 years later no idea of, what that even looks like a lot of this movie is like just no sympathy because of you know being the age and era we are looking at this fucking couple and being like oh damn it's so hard in suburbia um, i gotta go to the university to get the free public resources uh, and so they they bring them, and then that, they they spend a lot of the time in the movie with with that stuff, and it uh, uh, there's a lot of like exposition that uh, it's it's all like played straight, right? There's no doubting it. They don't like re- over explain anything. Anytime someone comes up and says something, they are telling the truth. Well, that's not entirely true, but the the that is like a twist when that happens. It's not like a. Uh, yeah, but the movie does not play with R. These is this couple right. really making it up because yes. uh, we saw the ghost. We know it's not like we yeah. as the viewer know, and they are not interested in telling that story because every other ghost story tells that story on some level. And like a lot of the movie is at its best when it's just a comedy about that. Yes. Um, like when they they first show up, the they're like, oh, the lights are turning on and off now. And they're like, so have you seen it? Like, they're basically treating it like it's a normal one of their fake things. And like, oh, have you seen yes. it move a little bit? Yeah, and- there's a bit where, they, where they're, as they're going to the bedroom where, like, the real haunting is. Uh, Craig T. Nelson, who's now at this point, like, constantly got a five o'clock shadow and drinking in every scene. Um, it, it, they do not draw attention to it, but it is true. That is what is happening. Uh, yes. Is talking to uh, Dr. Ryan, who's, like, the camera guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, this one time I filmed this car that rolled, you know, se- like, 71 meters over the course of the... Uh, the happening over seven hours he's like oh 71 meters uh, seven uh, seven hours huh and then they open the door and like everything inside the room is like spinning rapidly <laughs> that yeah. is one of my favorite scenes in the movie where yeah he's just like he doesn't even respond to him he just opens the door 
Uh, it's very ridiculous. Because the effect is like maybe the worst effect in the movie, which only makes it funnier. I <laughs> think the, the tree is shit. the worst effect in the movie. The tree is also pretty hokey. But the tree gets into like... Uh, this is my very very limited reference pool here but it was of the like kind of stuff that um creep show was doing you know it was just like a ridiculous effect that was more enjoyable on that on that level than anything scary or real <laughs> i just think it looks bad that's all <laughs> Fair. Sound like Jackson was picking up a point? No, nothing. No, no, I was, I was becoming a anxious about the silence there. Okay. Oh, no need. Um. Anyway, well, we're, we're, uh, but no, like because of that, you get these like two waves of characters just believing them. Like you know, the ghost researchers are here. Like, oh, this is like real shit. Our careers have changed at this moment. Like, we just got ghosts on camera. There's no orbs. Fuck orbs. Uh, we did it. <laughs> real ghosts right here. <laughs> Um, what do we do? And then they don't have an answer for that. So they have to bring in, uh, Tangina Behrens, who is just an incredible, like, spirit medium, like, southern lady who is, like, tiny, but with a huge personality who comes in and is the best part of this movie. I fucking love her. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's the best. Uh, but her whole thing is, like, very straight talking like we're gonna we're gonna fix this house it's gonna be quick it's gonna be dirty we have no time for your stupid uh suburban niceties uh we need to reinforce the family dynamic to save this little girl which is like what she does you know dad's got to be the disciplinarian she's got to come to the mom and then the mom will save her because that's what happens in families yep (laughs) uh it's a cool sequence yes um, and then, it, you know, it's like, oh, it works. And then until it doesn't, <laughs> it does not actually work. Yeah. So the movie like ends. Yes. Uh, as this the, house is clean. Yes. The movie ends and like moving away. There's a great, there's this ridiculous scene of Craig T. Nelson, like fake tripping over like three pieces of furniture as they're packing <laughs> up the house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's ludicrous. And uh, it, it feels like the like tag scene, right? Yeah. Uh, definitely intentionally make, meant to make the audience think the movie's ending mm-hmm. in a way that you can't do when you have a DVD and you know how much time is left. Yeah. And then uh, the the it starts again. It, they try to get it back and the it really kicks off then. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you get the goofiest and like biggest gags in this movie. Clown finally shows up and does a thing. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell that clown. Uh, they know they know you're looking for that clown the whole movie. Yeah. Uh the mom gets Nightmare on Elm Street up the wall. Uh Yep. Yep. And uh the, all of the dead bodies erupt out of the ground. <laughs> yes. Well, they didn't in their coffins see. like shooting up like uh like the thing I think of with, you know, obviously uh, like wrong direction historically, but like the coffins in Persona 3. <laughs> Just the way in which they just like it's literally like anime aesthetics of coffins literally like erupting out of the ground and then the bodies coming out right yes uh it's intensely like outsized compared to even even the giant death head that came out of the the closet door in this movie the the massive weird skeleton thing yes. i love that thing uh, yeah, that they're, massive they're... skeleton thing is like the most Ghostbusters the effect in this movie. <laughs> yes, because the, the back half really gets into some ludicrous shit with the effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I, I ended up really I like I really like the uh, back half because I feel like it kind of reframes it. So 
what is everyone's reading and what happens in this stuff uh as like as it pertains to what is going on with the ghosts um because my my assumption is that you are told it's a it's a poltergeist and that has a connection to a person that's why it's all centered around uh carol ann and you get this this uh well that's what the ghost researchers think it is right and then but then like uh the um you know the uh Taniga, uh comes in and confirms that and it's like ah oh, the it's the beast and he's using the it's like pure soul of caroline to distract the other uh ghosts so they don't like pass on mm. um and it's kind of what's happening and the the twist is that it's it's not a poltergeist, it's a haunting, right? Because they're like haunting's a place, poltergeist a person, and the whole point is that the the place is haunted at the end, and they didn't fix it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so I I did take that because the there's a, the second movie completely changes that. <laughs> like, yeah, no, they rewrite kind of. Yeah, they definitely change that around. I mean, later. The, the thing I, the thing I think about is like there's this really great scene like halfway in the movie where everyone's in the living room kind of like trying to fall asleep and the ghost hunters are there and uh, Doctor Lesh talks to the mom and the son for at length about like knowing like how much we can know about the supernatural and she compares it to like like primordial humans throwing rocks at the moon. And I like that, like none of the explanations fit perfectly for what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, why is there a big skeleton monster? Why is there a giant head comes out the door? Why is the door at the very end? Like a giant throat. None of this is explained. And like by any of the explanations that they give, um, like uh, Ch- Tangina's idea feels like it fits only because it works to save Carol Ann, but it doesn't account for anything else. Cause she's like, house is clean. I'm out of here. <laughs> Well, the, my my like reaction to it was that like Tangina's reading of it or t- explanation of it, uh, were, regardless of the metaphysics, is like the important thing is the family dynamic. Yes, uh, and then the re- like the way the movie goes at the end is like that's actually the horror of suburbia is not in the family unit; it is in like the way it was built and the like economics behind it. Is yeah. basically the what I took to be the very simple themes of this movie. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, like the whole thing is corrupt. Like, yes, it is evil and shouldn't exist, and so the house gets blinked into the void. <laughs> I, for this movie, expected a way more like tension between the family. We have to like resolve the like weird relations between uh, the husband and wife type movie in the way that people like talk about hereditary or something. Uh, yeah, it, like it like tip, it tips his hand at like a family divide in the part where. Uh, Craig T. Nelson's boss takes up on the hill is like, we could give you a mansion overlooking this. You sold like 40% of the houses in this area. Yep. But it doesn't actually resolve. Like the minute that he's like the real ghost shop, he's like, no, fuck this. We're leaving. I'm not tell that guy yeah. to go screw off. Yeah. Like it ends up not being about that at all, which is, uh, uh, was interesting to me. Uh, cause, uh, I expected that just from not having watched enough of these. Uh, but it's cool. It's very, I cool. think a lesser film would have been about that though. Yes. The thing. Well, yeah, the last 20 minutes, like, made the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because if the movie was just, you need to say you're going to spank her, and you need to go save her with tenderness and love, and they all moved away, that would be fucking terrible. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as good. Yes. Uh, like, it would still be a well-acted and well-made movie, but uh, the things that we're saying would be bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, because the the fundamental thing is, like, the end of the movie is about, like, focusing on the family unit, but not in this traditional way, in this, like, displaced way. Like, the family unit is the thing that gets to survive, like, their livelihood and home being destroyed by modernity, right? Yes. Like, 
the family goes into the, the hotel at the end and they're all tired, but they, you know, they're all together. Everyone survived. And then they chuck that TV directly out into the hall. <laughs> The the ending scene being a gag and there actually being no like emotion. It was very. I was expecting like one more scene to like wrap up how they were doing and they just go in. They probably go to fucking sleep. And yeah, get they're rid of that tired. TV. They're yeah. tired. It was a great ending. Mm-hmm. I'd be tired too. I would also <laughs> be tired. Yeah, that's a that's a long night, especially for the little boy. Yes, uh, Dana, like. Janet going, I'm I'm leaving to not be in the final act of this movie and then coming back literally right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because at least when um Creighton Nelson's not there, it has like some kind of like point to it, right? He is leaving them. They they could have just left right then, but he is keeping them here. Uh like, yes, he's going narrative. to tell his boss that, he, that he's not going to take the, you know, position. He's leaving. They're leaving. Fuck you. Fuck you. Right. Uh uh, but Dana just like I'm out. I'm not. I didn't write anything for me for this stuff because it's about the little kids. Why am I in this movie? Uh, <laughs> and then just shows up again at the end. Yes, she's the it's teenager weird. who spends more time with her friends than her family. Yes, the thing that brought to mind to me was extremely the um like uh, Susan uh, Narnia. She's into boys now. She's going to hell. <laughs> well, because she has like, that bit of the movie where she's like, I remember that motel. <laughs> yes, and her mom's like, Wait, what? Excuse me. <laughs> there's also a bit like early on which like the construction guys are like catcalling her and she flips them off and the mom's looking out the window like hell yeah tell him um which is like good in the sense like you know she was that age when she had her um and the way that feeds back into it is really smart the um oh shit i need to mention the uh, other scene stealing thing which is not relevant to the movie at all literally in like three scenes uh but the relationship between Craig T. Nelson and the fucking neighbor. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, they because, seem like out of a Coen's Brothers film. <laughs> like, they're eating beans. The, the yeah. introductory scene where they're watching the game and... But they're the remotes, they both work on each other's remotes, so they can only change the channel in different... And there's not, that's not how TV remotes work. This is not a real problem that you can just, you know... It's not how TV works, work. You can deal with this. Uh, but no, they are committed to this uh, ridiculous fake rivalry. Well, the whole the whole thing of, like, Craig T. Nelson's buds watching the game is, like, this guy... It opens with this guy riding a bicycle to... Like, an adult man riding a bicycle to deliver beer to his friends, uh, which implies, you know, he is a drunk that got his license taken away. And the kids, who are all assholes, as children are in suburbia, trip the guy's bike. He crashes, like, wrecks out, and all the... Uh, beer gets damaged to the point where the beer is comically spraying as he brings into the house and nobody cares because they nobody notices that they're all being hosed down with this like beer can that's been punctured this entire scene it is ludicrous (laughs) when the beer was spraying and they all started shouting i thought they were shouting about the beer but they were just shouting about the football game (laughs) yes like there's such a there's such like a, a like a very cultivated like knowing sense of unreality to this like suburban life like the stuff is cartoonish and awful uh, in a way that you, you think is like very postmodern looking at it, but like, this is the era of it, right? Like yes. people were mad at this shit when it happened. Well, yeah. Like, I mean the suburban uh, like pl- town they are in this uh, just, I don't know what you call them. Um, just like a new development, right? New development, it's not that yeah, different from where you live. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but it's it's even more remote than where I live. Like I yes. live in a development in a part of uh, uh, England, but it connects to a main road that's been there for eight, ages. I just have to drive everywhere. It's the annoying thing. It's kind of yes. a, away from the town center. Um, but this is just all there is. It's in the middle of nowhere, uh, and I don't know what why it exists. Like it exists. People had money. People had money and wanted to leave the cities because the cities are scary. Well, yeah, but like. The, the he comes and says like when I came here with because he works with the the company that is selling the houses. I don't know mm. where everyone else works. It must just work in like the city, I guess, somewhere near there. Just drive because it's in a valley and there's nothing. There is nothing but field. Yeah. There's nothing. I mean, the, the my the thing I took from all the dialogue around this is that, like he came to this guy when he was like young. He had a kid. He was like eighteen and had a child already and started working with this guy. And turned out to be a really good salesman, even though he's like a gormless idiot right like he's just mm-hmm. like he's just like the most unintentional dad doing it the best he could and it turns out he's really good at selling houses so he bought in in a way that like no one else his boss isn't gonna buy in and live here are you kidding me that guy lives in like a penthouse somewhere <laughs> right um yeah it's it's ludicrous god the, the dad is so wild as a character <laughs> yes Um, yeah, and a lot of that is about, like, the goofy shit around the, that. Like, there's a bit at the beginning, or, like, you know, Tim is in the movie, where he's, like, on a call as everyone's having breakfast and gets his, like, gets the phone cord caught in his tie because he's tying his tie when he's on the phone. Just, like, nonsense like that. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the stuff that, like, you look at E.T. and you're like, yeah, I see why Spielberg was developing this movie to be like an E.T. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I remember E.T. not being as good about that stuff. No, I, uh, I think I like this movie more than I like E.T. Yeah. I don't remember E.T. at all. I, I have, well, the thing that E.T. does is that because it's all from like the children's perspective, it, does, it can't have the like ludicrous marriage that this movie has. Yeah. So it can't play into the comedy that way. Yeah. There's, there's the critiques, but they don't come from showing the adults as like buffoonish hypocrites in the same way. Mm-hmm. No, and then also, like, Close Encounters already exist and is better at all this stuff. Yeah. Also, this is, like, the Toby Hooper stuff. Like, this is stuff I think yes. he's better at than, like, Spielberg is, mm-hmm. generally. Um, someday we might watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre and make Jackson sit through that. Oh, <laughs> is that a thing I could no. watch? I think you could totally watch it. I think you would, uh, I think you'd maybe, well, one, there's less, like, waiting for stuff to happen than this movie. Um, okay. It's grosser, but there's nothing that is in your, like, wheelhouse of things I don't want to see on screen. I mean, the, the gross, the grossness I'm not worried about unless it's, yes, like, specifically, exactly. I mean. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not, I don't get grossed out. I only have, like, very specific, oh, I injured myself in that way. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, yes. I don't think it has any of that. Uh, no, I mean, a chainsaw. <laughs> anyway, uh. Well, yeah, people say that movie's terrifying, so we'll see. Yep, uh, consideration for another year. It's not going to be this year. Okay, because I was definitely after this one just like, oh, God. <laughs> and I felt much better <laughs> after it was over because there's no, like, lingering, you know, um, mental... Tar- it's not yes. like when I read fucking uh, I'm a Gara Full because I got got it linked, right? Yes. And you just think about it uh, for, for weeks. Well, this is the thing with most horror movies to me is that the, the first... The third to half is always the scariest part where you don't know what's happening and it's building up to stuff. And mm. it, the, once the monsters show up, the, the, the energy is like out. You're just enjoying yes. the goofs now. Yes. Well, yeah, until it's then quiets down for like a, you know, new build. 
Yeah. Well, fucking as, as a kid, yeah. that clown uh, doll was incredibly scary to me. Uh, I still don't. I still am extremely creeped out by dolls, uh, especially when they have like real eyes and stuff like that. You know, the, the type of thing. Um, mm. And me and me and Destiny were talking. Destiny was like, one of my friends is still afraid of clowns because of this movie. Um, I don't. Th- I thankfully got over my clown fear. Mine was it inspired, not poltergeist inspired. Mm. It's a really fucking creep. Why does he have it? <laughs> I assume it was like a gift from his grandparents or something. It just seems like one of those. I mean, the thing is, so there's a thing I forgot to bring up that I really want to bring up. The thing I think is really interesting about this movie, and I feel like is one of those like, oh yeah, Toby Hooper would do this, but Suark would not, is the movie exists in this weird space where like the family, like Carol Ann's toys are all like generic toys and the boys' toys are all Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it's like this really specific divide between like generic old style toys that kids would have growing up. And I've had some of these, like I, you know, I I was born in 85, but I definitely had generic ass toys and the boys toys are all brand. They're like brand, 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 brand. He has a, he has an alien poster on the wall. He has star Wars, everything. Um, and it's like really specific to like that type of like, I think of as like a night, eight, late eighties, nineties toy. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not about that at all, but I feel like those two things in- inhabiting the same space is like very deliberate. Absolutely, I, th- I mean, it's, I think it is kind of about that. Some, like in the in the background, there's just the suburban stuff, right? Yeah, uh. yeah, because it exists in the space where, like, you know, even the toy, even the kids are being like bought into like societal like ideas of like aspiration like star wars is a, a cool toy for kids to have his bread his bedspread is star wars he has a star wars poster he has a c-3po light in the bedroom uh it's like aggressive the scene just, uh, oh, you oh go on no, yeah. i was just gonna say i was gonna i just assumed it was just because spielberg knows george lucas and sure that was just a shout out but the ways in which it like dominates entire scenes and sequences and it, like in Carol Ann specifically doesn't have that stuff. There's no like girl equivalent. She has, she has like a, a doll with a head popped off and the, the creepy, uh, clown doll. And there's a bit, there's this one ridiculous scene at night where she's lying in bed and she has Luke Skywalker hanging out of her mouth. Like she's chewing on a piece of grass. <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up. Um, it just, to me, like evokes, like Carol Ann belongs into like the old style childhood, like children can be kind of ethereal and creepy and all her dolls are like kind of creepy. And the boy is like, I'm just a boy. I've got the brands. I've got the action figures (laughs) that, you know, and that divide to me feels designed to be very deliberate about the differences between those two characters. Okay. It was really interesting. Like there's the the shot early on where she's putting, well, she's making uh, the boy's bed and you know, there's, there's the Star Wars, uh duvet cover and um she's wearing like jeans she's wearing like a very like oh it's the most fucking 80 show it feels like it's out of bumblebee or something like the fashion and the thing it feels like the fake 80s that exists now in the memory yeah <laughs> um to the point where it's like oh okay i guess people literally in 1982 were making fuck the 80s movies because the problem is now when they when they make this they're like being reverent and just yeah, they're like oh no this is the cool shit that <laughs> we're all into <laughs> Which is deeply depressing because it's like a, a parody of a thing that should not no, be. No, now, now in Bumblebee, that girl's gonna have a poltergeist poster on her wall. No, <laughs> I hate culture. I'm making the deculture, deculture. That's <laughs> 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 what I declare here. God. Uh, but I think that stuff is great. Uh, I really like this movie. Uh, I don't know if I have much else, but uh, no, I, I had a good time. 
Me too. One of my favorites. I watch it almost every year. Uh, I practically know the movie by heart. It just makes me really happy. Oh, briefly, we should uh, fill the audience in on the premise of the second movie. Oh, yeah. Feel free. <laughs> so I read this on Wikipedia. I don't know. Uh, Dusty, have you seen it? No. Okay. Uh, but the premise is... <laughs> so, completely retconning the part where, like, the... the uh, a reveal of the bodies undercuts the assumptions of uh, the, both the themes and the characters understanding of the metaphysics, blah, blah, blah. Instead, uh, the neighborhood has become an archaeological dig and they have underneath the cemetery found uh, a cave in which lies a weird Reverend Kane, who is like a preacher from uh, the 1800s who had a death cult and they all died in this terrifying cave and by dying in this cave he got enough power to become like a super guy in the afterlife and that's why he's the beast and uh tangina uh realizes this and then calls to help like she's like we need to go to tell the freelings this he won't stop chasing them and then who she called to help but uh a native shaman it says here (laughs) and then it's him teaching the teaching the feelings to fight a ridiculous preacher with uh, native magic. <laughs> yeah, I knew that there was a offensive Native American element, but I wasn't quite sure <laughs> when it uh, came into the trilogy. And, and it's like the movie. This movie literally has a line about how the like uh, weird. Uh, mysticism is not built on like a tribal burial ground. You think he says just 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 people. Um, you know, because uh, basically you know, saying that like the anxieties of these movies are usually about the crimes of America. You know, that's where that trope comes from, right? They did a genocide, um, mm-hmm. and uh, th- to me, at least, I took that as like it doesn't make it better when you like say, "Oh, it's not one of these like ones we've marked as mystical." Uh, industry does this regardless, uh, and they're thrown all the way down the well for just. Uh, it's actually a super evil preacher ghost. And they've got to team up with the native magic to fight him and travel through the portal to the other side. I don't know how well that movie did, but I feel like it didn't do well. I don't, I don't, the second I always, one? Yeah. I always forget these movies are a trilogy. <laughs> and then they have to completely I mean, throw all of that out for the third movie because the actor that played the native shaman and then the actor that played Reverend Kane both died. Uh before the movie came out oh hold on we were getting interrupted by amazon that mission impossible theme played <laughs> uh the one thing i did want to say is uh this movie uh, did incredibly well at the box office uh it made 120 million dollars off of 10 million dollar budget um that's pretty good and then the, and that you know this is back in the day when the 120 million dollars was a lot uh, the second movie made 40 million dollars off of a 20 million dollar budget <laughs> well that's still a it's still a, a profit i guess yeah, but not not in the way that you want, right? No, 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 not at all. And then let's look at this third movie, which is 1988. This movie uh, made 14 million off of a 10 million dollar budget, <laughs> and that was it. I mean, and then the girl died. So they yes, had to then stop. the girl died. Um, I was shocked. She was. I was shocked. The entire family was in two, like except the one who was murdered. Uh, but uh, the, everyone came back for the second movie with a ludicrous plot. This is this is what happens in the 80s, right? Like. 
I always assume that the like horror movies immediately like the the part where there's often like one real sequel where everyone gets back before they before the horror fetishes like get into just the real shit that everyone who I know is into horror movies of this era is actually here for, which is when you get past movie four or whatever. Yeah, no, I just um the thing is like there's such a difference between this kind of movie that was like very studio like driven with names that mattered in a studio system making like a okay. real movie versus like the slashers is such a different thing. Okay. Also, I'm... like Craig T. Nelson was a long way from Coach. Coach doesn't start till eighty nine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i mentally categorize him the same thing as a non-horror person yeah um are all just like 80s horror franchises to me but yeah I, um... but like this movie this movie is much more of like i mean it's hard like this is like this is like prestige product in terms of horror movies right like yes spielberg's producing this mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the close horror movies on this level don't exist anymore uh no I mean, they people really had, don't. I think people, a lot of people saw that It movie. I don't know if it was any good, but that was like yeah. a big. I mean, I guess that's probably movie. the closest thing, right? Like that, yeah. that or like Doctor Sleep. Like those are the only types of these that exist, and those aren't made by Spielberg, right? <laughs> no, no. Uh, do you want to know who is currently signed up to make the next part of Guys Freeman? Because there was already one in uh, 2015, but the the next one is already in development. No, go ahead. Uh, it Fuck is uh, the Russo brothers. No. <laughs> directors of all those fucking Marvel movies everyone likes i i watched a trailer for the the 2015 remake and it's already about like uh sam rockwell's down on his luck and has to come to this fixer-upper that is like the nicest house they could get and it turns out that it's super haunted and there's way like the doll's way more evil and doing doll shit and it seems really bad the the poster is of the clown doll and it looks yes. so much more evil there is no, there is no equivalent of uh, Tangina. There's like a preacher, instead. The, what are you even doing? Yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't bother with it. Yeah. Didn't look good. Um, but I guess that's it. I think that's it. That was a pretty, pretty lengthy one of these. Yeah, we've got some uh, emails. If you want to send us questions, you can do that at podcast out of normalmapping.com. They can be about any movie. They don't have to be specifically about this stuff. If you want to ask me and Destiny about horror movies, we'll do that all day. Love talk about horror movies. Uh, first one, a couple uh, polls uh, from Tron here. Uh, what is your favorite looking shot or scene in this movie? As a special effects masterpiece. Oh, I mean, it's really just the early, just suburban stuff. I think it's really well done. It's a very boring answer, but... That is a very boring answer. It's, I don't think the effects are that great. It's ludicrous. Um, The thing, the thing... Oh, God, I don't actually know... Just a second. Um, Vamp, Destiny, you answer. All the slimy shit is so good. Oh, it's so gross. It's disgusting. And then, like, when fucking, uh, I can't remember the other paranormal researcher of the white guy, like, pulls off his face. It's, like, really cheaply lo- cheap looking, but, like, that is an effective scene still to me when he pulls his face off and, yes. like, ugh, and the meat explodes. Boo. That, that was just, uh, oh, this is just a bit from Creepshow. <laughs> it was when yes. that was happening. Um, there's a bit, uh, like near the end where uh, Craig T. Nelson's pulling the rope and he's not supposed to be pulling the rope right now and it pulls a giant demon head out of the closet and he there's this extended shot of him screaming at the the head that they literally do in Evil Dead 2 as like a comedy bit um, <laughs> and they combine two things because it's it's Ash sees this horrible monster does this ridiculous scream and his hair turns white gets a white streak which is what happens to the mom in this movie by going through the portal 
Oh my yes. god, I didn't catch that connection. Yes. That's great. Which I love Evil 2 is 87, too. but is definitely riffing on some of the things in this movie. Definitely. The way she's like, oh, look at my like, like cool accessory from the terrifying adventure I had. Well, she's <laughs> like, she's like, don't you think it's punk? And the daughter's like, no, I don't. And then immediately she's dying her hair back. <laughs> yeah, she wants to be perceived as cooler than she is. It's, yes. She's a cool mom. That's oh, she's her whole so thing. fucking she's a cool mom. Yep. And what she should actually do is just uh, run away with that older uh, fucking <laughs> person from the university. Because they start drinking together. Their relationship is pretty good. Oh, yes. Dr. Lesh and the mom are <laughs> yes. my favorite pairing in the film. I they're bond- It like makes me emotional watching them because they're both so good with their they, conversation. Like, hold each other and she's like, I will be coming back. <laughs> the, thing, the thing I do like about that is like... You know, looking at, like, the themes of, like, what the mom represents, like, Dr. Lesh is a different version of dissatisfied with the life choices you feel stuck in, right? Yeah. Like, these two women forming this bond of, like, we're both emotionally in the same place, even though we are, like, class and lifestyle-wise radically different sides of the perceived spectrum is mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you react if you saw a piece of furniture move on its own? I, I pulled this one out myself. because watching this with Destiny, I was like, it's time to leave. The minute the chairs start moving, you fucking get out of there and go you somewhere set the else. house on fire. You set it on fire. I'm gone. I'm fucking gone. <laughs> nope. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, and then we've got an email um, from Zhao. Thank you for writing in. It was fun to watch Poltergeist for the first time, especially after discovering midway through that it was the movie that scared my mother the most, and this was her chance to also try to watch it again. She did not survive the whole movie once again. Uh, having grown I'm up in what is basically a haunted house, I'm really insensitive to horror movies. Please write in and explain why you grew up in a ha- I want to know about your haunted house. I, I, <laughs> Me I love too. It. I have uh, several questions. About- <laughs> uh, this often makes me prefer to watch horror movies with someone else because I can indirectly get the type of experience they had by being scared or tense about what comes next. Do any of you do that with horror movies or movies from any other type? Um, for me, I like watching horror movies with other people. One, I'm a big baby, um, and like it when someone else is there because I feel better. Two, I'm, I, you know, I, when I'm watching with someone, I focus on a movie better. Also, Same. So the two, the two modes in watching horror movies on my own are I'm either too buried in my phone to pay attention to the scares or scared out of my mind. <laughs> same, no. absolutely, it is the exact same for me. Um, yeah, I, I don't do all by myself. <laughs> Uh, but I like watching like comedies with other people because uh, I I don't really laugh at stuff in the same way on my own. Um, you know, I'd love to go back to a movie theater someday. Here's hoping. God, please, in the next five years. Um, <laughs> couple other questions: Who the fuck gives a cl- kid sized clown doll to their kids? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I I I'm don't telling know. You, it was the grandparents. Yeah, it's they're out of touch. Yeah. Oh, the grandparent, uh, specifically her her mother, uh, is also psychic. That's from the sequel. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I I've seen bits and pieces of the second and third movie just because they were on cable a lot growing up and I totally forgot that. But yeah, that is true. And she's like See, I, I think all the women in our family are, are psychic. You've got the shining. <laughs> yeah. I specifically remember seeing the first movie a lot on cable and then seeing 3 a lot, but I never watched it cuz I hadn't watched 2 and I was always I was still like this. I was always like this. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, is there any movie or piece of media that you experienced years ago that you still haven't been able to come back to because it really scared you or something that it did, but you were able to sit through the whole thing? I've come back to the shining shining does, or not the shining uh, it, the mini series. It does not bother me like it used to. Thank God. Uh, it's specifically I, I, that bit where he comes out of the, the shower in the, the, I was afraid of showers for most of my childhood. 
God, yeah, that'll do it. Um, I got a couple answers, but they're 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 way younger because I you know I mostly just don't watch horror things. And ne- so uh, first one is uh, when I was a kid, I didn't see the movie, but the trailer for Final Destination Two fucking terrified me. <laughs> It's very funny because those movies are hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I finished. I watched Final Destination two, and it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but the cop, but the, I was, I was no. I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> this is an American US thing. He reaches his hand in the sink, and there's a fucking knife in the sink. Why is there a knife in the sink? I'm in the UK. I don't know what a garbage disposal is. You have garbage exist. disposals? No. They it's don't. just a hole in the sink. You just the sink is a solid a tube and the water goes down so he reaches his hand in there's a knife in there and i was terrified of sinks for months um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, all- to be fair i would not stick my hand in a garbage disposal i would just not do that you're not supposed to do that everyone yeah, knows not, not to, to do, do that. that yeah that's a no-no but also just the concept of like the world conspiring to kill you in the unseeable way that got to me the movies do not take it in a serious direction but yes. uh, my brain have you did. told your matrix story on uh, this podcast you had to right <laughs> oh my god my matrix story is so good yes okay so the matrix isn't 18 in the uk and i was not 18 uh i would have been this would have been i would have been about nine i was born in november 1993 this would have been mid 2002 slightly before the new movies I think around then. Anyway, um, <laughs> I watched it. I uh, had a, a DVD or a VHS. It would have been a VHS, I think. And um, my my mom realised I was watching it and uh, watching it, and she stopped me. The, unfortunately, <laughs> the scene she stopped me watching it on was the uh, not like this scene. <laughs> so Where everyone gets everyone gets disconnected by the, from the Matrix by uh, the Joey Pants character and dies in front of Neo. <laughs> But like really, not graphically, and like it's just very existentially terrifying because the characters just die in front of him. Like the life goes out of their eyes uh, in a <laughs> uh, very scary way. Uh, and then that was how the movie ended to me for years. It wasn't until after the sequels came out. It was in two thousand and five. I finally saw them in a box set. Um, <laughs> that is the the moral of always let someone finish the horror movie. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a horror movie, but just in general, the the ending is the resolution. <laughs> <laughs> For me, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, there's a scene in, I believe it is the end of the second Friday the Thirteenth movie, where the girl is on the boat. That's the first movie. Is boat. that the first movie? Okay, I get them all mixed up now, but she is on the boat, and you think everything's fine, and there's nice music playing, and she survived. She's the final girl. She's taking breath, and then a body. Uh, Jason Voorhees pops up out of the water and pulls her down. I couldn't watch that movie. Uh, I, and granted, I was like seven years old when I watched yeah. this, so I should not have been watching this at all. But that messed me up for years where that was way scarier than, like, yes. now I can watch it just fine. Like, I always kind of tense up because I know it's coming, but it took me a long time to, like, rewatch that movie as a teen. Because I you know it's the, the first movie is because it's child drowned Jason Voorhees and not adult man Jason Voorhees. That's right, because they use that gag again later on. Yeah, but it's always with, like, actual Jason. Mm-hmm. They don't bring Before- back Drowned Child Jason Voorhees except for the end of Part 8, which is a terrible movie not worth getting to that sequence in, because it's the end <laughs> of the movie. Was this before or after Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, Friday 13th before. Okay. Yeah, it predates it. I was going to say, that sounds like the bit where she gets pulled through the door. I remember that yes. thing from a clip show. Yeah. 
The yeah. other thing for me, which is not a movie, but was the uh, Doctor Who episode with the gas masks. That fucking scared the shit out of me. Uh, watched it as an adult. And it's fine. It's Doctor Who episode. Uh, <laughs> um, which I think answers our next question. Of what is the movie that you feel only you find scary? <laughs> well, I don't find it scary anymore. Okay. I still think that first Friday the 13th is spooky, but it doesn't really scare anyone that I, like, know. And then I yeah. still, I don't know, M doesn't think horror movies are scary. I At this point, I, 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 I feel tension sometimes. Jump scares will always get me because I'll jump at, like, a loud noise in a room. I just in that kind of, I'm very jumpy. Uh, but, yeah, I typically just don't find horror movies very scary anymore. Whereas I can rewatch stuff and still be freaked out by it. Like, there's that scene in The Thing where you realize he's been building the ship the whole time. That just... I still think about that every day. <laughs> yeah, so I just don't get, I just don't scared on that, get scared on that level. Um, I think the, the scariest movie for me for a long time, I haven't revisited it in a long time, was House of the Devil, which is a movie that's not perceived as particularly scary. But there's a bit... In the middle of that movie, because it's about like this girl who gets called to babysit for this these people who are turned out to be Satanists and they're running a cult and they want to sacrifice her. But there's a middle portion, like 20 minutes of this movie, where they leave her to go do something or whatever. And she, they're like, you got to watch the grandma and the, the little kid. They're asleep. You know, you just check the baby monitor. It'll be fine. And so this girl's in this giant empty house, like looking around, thinking she hears someone moving around. But it, there's nothing ever in that entire sequence. <laughs> That's a really tense movie. Like the yes. first half of that movie is so I rewatched that fairly recently and it, it it doesn't scare me as much as it did the first time I saw it, but like yeah, that empty 20 minutes where she's just wandering around the house. Yeah, that, that's where it's really scary. Then houses. it turns into people getting shot in the head and like demons and it's not scary anymore at all because that's how these movies work. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so I guess that's it for us. Uh, next time, we are going to be watching Jennifer's Body, which is the 2009 uh, Diablo Cody written Karen Kusama directed film. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one because uh, I haven't seen it since it was in theaters and I liked it then and people hated it and it's slowly like been redeemed in the cultural consciousness. Um, it's good. I feel like slowly. So I I haven't heard anyone talk about Jennifer's body in a non-positive context in like eight years. Yeah, the thing is, we live in that weird bubble where that, of course, is going to happen, right? People are still discovering Speed Racer, and that's, oh, that's fucking true. It's 2020, ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, looking forward to that. It'll be a good time. It'll probably be less spooky than this. Would be my guess. Uh, Great, Jackson. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's it. Destiny plugs. At Fridge Buzz now, pretty much everywhere, and then my podcast Battling Girls can be found on Abnormal Mapping. Do you is it? Do you have a URL or is it Battling or Abnormal Mapping slash Battling Girls? Do you know? I believe it's Abnormal Mapping slash Battling Girls. Okay, you just go to abnormalmapping.com. You could find it. Uh, Jackson, hello. You can find me at headfulsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. There's a whole load of cool podcasts there. Uh, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being, and uh, you can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash mapping. 
For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project. We're finishing Gundam Wing soon. Very excited. We'll be moving on to 08th MS team, which is another thing people like a lot. Um, for $10, you get VoIP Lifer. Often me and Jackson talk about movies. Uh, and in our most recent episode that should be going live the same day this is, uh, we uh, talk about all, a bunch of movies from the aughts that Jackson hasn't seen. And I render yeah. my feelings on them. <laughs> Delete them! <laughs> <laughs> delete them is always the answer uh so please check that out thank you everyone for watching and supporting we'll be back uh do you want to do two weeks yeah we have a thing next week we have to do two weeks because we're going to try to rechange the schedule no, where it's well, i was wrong weeks. again that was we want it's fine two weeks is fine okay okay jackson told me we we're off schedule and i yesterday i was, and a, I was, I was like, actually oh. wrong yesterday i've was okay. been wrong twice <laughs> <sighs> No one but the, the audience can just imagine the comedy of errors of me being a d dumbass that has occurred behind the scenes, but it sure has. Anyway, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Don't expect to like it.